This is the Dubs Hub Podcast. I'm Thomas here with Chris, and we're recording this Sunday night after a stressful Warriors win in Game 4 and a much less stressful Warriors win in Game 3, so the series is knotted up at 2-2. We're going to break it down, jump into what, you know, potentially could happen in Game 5, and and just get our feelings out on the last couple of games. The Warriors back in this series. Uh, But... Chris, how you doing? I was prepared for my Sunday to be ruined, um, <laughs> but then I, luckily it turned out not to be the case. So I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. No. I mean, it it felt like a familiar story down the stretch of Game Four. Um, the Warriors have blown leads late all season in the regular season with bonehead mistakes, like stupid turnovers or fouls or like they they got really creative with it this year and <laughs> this was this felt like the first game where they made those mistakes and kind of got away with it um but yeah that late game execution is just still an issue with the warriors despite them pulling it out um well so i guess we should talk about sort of what happened in those final moments since that was the story of the game really it was a close kings game the entire way draymond came off the bench um and so that was a big adjustment, uh, but the Kings played the Warriors tough the entire way in Chase Center. Um, the Warriors had a five-point lead with with 40 seconds left, 42 seconds left, and Steph gets trapped in the backcourt, <laughs> calls a timeout. The Warriors don't have any timeouts because Steve Kerr earlier in the game had challenged a call, which I thought was a pretty bad use of the challenge. and. So that results in a technical free throw in the Kings ball. So it's just a horrible turnover. Gets them within four points. The Warriors play some decent defense. Barnes missed a, a step back three, but the Kings got that offensive rebound and it led to a Deer and Fox three pointer, uh, which cut the lead to just one. Man, that was stressful. Um, Steph missed, you know, a pretty easy runner in the lane. Um, not a big deal, but, you know, for the moment. Uh, it felt like a big deal. Um, but Warriors get away with it, play some good defense in the final seconds, and we get the Black Falcon missing a, an open three-pointer. Uh, similar to how Andrew Wiggins missed a three-pointer to end game one, so we're kind of even there. Uh, <laughs> one for one, it could have gone either way. Um, but the luck evens out, and so now you know we're in a 2-2 series here. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, that, are you, what are your thoughts on how it on on how the game ended? Well, it was like you said, the fourth quarter was crazy. I mean, I thought Steph and De'Aaron were just going back and forth. It felt like Fox did not miss a shot the entire fourth quarter. Honestly, the the first time in a while, I've kind of felt an opponent an opponent has been like borderline unstoppable versus the Warriors. Man, he's so good. Yeah. Like, Wiggins was playing good defense on him, but just he would get five feet out, ten feet out from the basket, and it was just pure net every single time. But Steph was going back and doing basically the same thing, and then I think with, like, a minute left or two minutes left, we finally got, like, two or three stops in a row. Um, he missed, a, I think, a floater and then a mid-range jumper. But then, like you said, 
that <laughs> you should saw Steve Kerr's face right when Steph called the timeout. He was like on all fours saying, we don't have a timeout. Um, I knew it right away just because they were talking about it on the broadcast, but I guess yeah. Steve Kerr said after the game that he didn't really remind them in the huddle, which is kind of crazy. Um, and honestly, yeah, it it's a- surprising. He's, he's the type of coach to like really hammer that home. He cares about turnovers so much. You would expect him to, to really make it clear, but I guess like, you know, they're pros and it's Steph Curry. He, the game awareness is usually on point with Steph, especially down the stretch. He's like one of the greatest closing players I've ever seen. Um, And so a mistake like this is really out of character and could have cost them the game. I mean, he seriously almost blew them, blew the Warriors the win um, with with that play and with, you know, missing the floater uh, with like about 16 seconds left to put him up three. Um, But then he, he played some pretty decent defense on Fox and closed out on Harrison Barnes in the final second. So made up for it. But man, if Harrison had hit that shot, we would be having a much different conversation. Oh yeah. I mean, that would have been possibly the nail in the coffin for the Warriors season, which is crazy because it was a very good look. And just, I I thought it was a terrible decision by Kerr to challenge that loony screen I mean, I understand it. You have a challenge left. You want to use it. But I don't think he realized in the heat of the moment that they only had one timeout left. And I don't think that's what a lot of people I agree. realize about the challenge is you don't just, like, get a free challenge to use and then it's gone. You lose a timeout if you use that challenge. And it was – we were up five. Um, or, yeah, we were up five with, like, under a minute left, and we challenged that. And it's like, oh, come on. Uh, it was pretty clear. Yeah. It was a moving screen, and then that led to that situation. But, yeah, it could have yep. been really bad. Really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, it's just it speaks to the problems that they've had all year. And, um, you know, the Warriors should be feeling good. They defended home court. It's now a three-game series, two in Sacramento, one in San Francisco. The Warriors have won a game on the road in 27 straight playoff series, an insane record, an insane record. And, you know, they're going to have to do it again to win the series. We knew that going in. I mean, if they're going to defend their title, they're going to have to do it in every single series, most likely. Um, Unless. Yeah, definitely. Um, Unless they get unless they get the Lakers in the next round. That would be six, seven. So they would. Yeah. Yeah. So the, if if the Lakers end up beating the Grizzlies, they're up 2-1 right now. Jaw has a banged up, I think, left wrist or something in his hand. Um, and, you know, the Grizzlies are down a couple of guys as well, Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, two really important pieces. So it's very possible the Lakers upset the Grizzlies in that 2-7 matchup. That would be – the winner of that series is who the Warriors will face if they pull out the series against the Kings – I expect them to I think I think Kerr has made some great adjustments and he's really been genius the last couple of games if you ask me he's shown why he's such he's I think the best coach in the NBA um and why he's won four championships uh, as a head coach with these Warriors Uh, I mean just brilliant adjustments against a team that knows the Warriors well Mike Brown knows the Warriors well as the head coach of the Kings and they have an basically an unstoppable player in De'Aaron Fox um and, you know, he's got sort of limited options. I mean, 
he has a lot of versatility to work with in terms of of players like Kuminga is a really unique piece and DiVincenzo is a unique piece Gary Payton but you know in this in this series some of these guys are not really playable um like Kuminga played three minutes today Moody played five and he looked okay but I mean game three Moody had a huge huge game he was one of the reasons the Warriors won by almost 20 points that was the best game of his career I think um but you know the point is Kerr is working with limited ammunition here and and still is able to be just a mastermind and pull pull some uh rabbits out of his hat yeah i thought the adjustment to um switching away from the two big lineup was really key obviously in game three that was kind of taken out of his control that choice was made for himself once Raymond getting suspended but i think that kind of opened up a lot of things because the kings basically only play a one big lineup i mean keegan murray's a power forward but he was hitting and can we talk about that for a second oh my god he had the game of his life today, hitting like step back threes, um, yeah, not missing. So I, I'm glad we survived the the Keegan Murray game. Um, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, Keegan's been a really solid player all year for the Kings. He he broke the record for most three point makes uh, for a rookie this year. Yeah, in a season, which is incredible. Like, good for him. He looks like a seriously good player. He may not be like an all-star level guy. Maybe he is, but a fringe all-star moving forward in, in his career, but he's clearly a winning player and someone who who uh you know, shoots well, plays decent defense. Um and so he, it was he was quiet the first 3 games and he showed up in a big way for them today and yeah, the yeah. Warriors the Warriors um braced that and and were able to get by it, but um man yeah, the Kings have a lot of options too. This has been a really exciting series so far. Yeah, it has been. Um, the standouts for me today, I mean, I don't know about you, but Steph kind of kept the team alive when things were slipping and when he was in, good things were happening. He'd come out for three minutes and it's like we had an eight point lead, nine point lead. It would just be gone down to two within like a minute yep. or two. I really thought he controlled the game with his driving um, and with the double teams, he was making smart passes. Like he was getting doubled all night and he only had one turnover today. And that was the timeout turnover. So if that wasn't the case, he would, he would have went the entire game with no turnovers, which is pretty crazy for Steph because he's been uh, very turnover prone for his career. Um, so I thought he had a very good game. Clay Thompson had a good back uh, bounce back game. Um, not a lot of shots for him. He had him and Poole had the same amount of shots. Uh, I know he was frustrated after the first quarter, only taking two shots, but I thought he played good post defense today on like switches. Same with game three. Totally. Kind of in the pick and roll um, with Sabonis, he would get switched on Sabonis and, and hold his own. Um, I thought he took I mean, smart yeah. shots today. And uh, I thought, I thought Wiggins also had a really good game. Um, just he had eight rebounds, which is huge. When he rebounds, that's so huge for the team um, because yep. re- really it's only Looney and Draymond out there getting rebounds. Clay and Poole don't rebound. Um, Kaminga doesn't rebound. Dante Steph's a good rebounder. 
yeah, Seth is a good rebounder. Dante's kind of hit or miss. Um, but yeah, we, I thought Wiggins had a really good game today as well. He definitely did. And yeah, on, on Clay, it's crazy how his defense has evolved. Like he's still probably a plus defender overall. I mean, we know, we know the OG Clay is an elite level defender. Um, but after his injuries, he, he hasn't been able to hang around guards. Um, and, but now I like, I trust him guarding big men more than anything. Like when he gets matched up against Sabonis in the post, He's so strong, man. Oh, and he's yeah. six seven. He's got long arms. He can really hold his own and bang down there. So, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy how how his career like strengths have have flipped over time. Yeah, I know. I know they've been joking kind of this year and last year that Clay's kind of a power forward now. But I mean, it's true. Like today, he started at small forward. I feel like most of the lineups that are out there, especially when. Stephen Jordan are in, are in, Stephen Dante are in, even Stephen Moody. I mean, Clay's usually the three, um, which I yeah. think will evolve to his natural position. But yeah, I mean, just kind of wrapping up on game four, I really thought um, it was kind of the Steph and Fox show. That's what my main takeaway was. Um, it was. I thought all things kind of equaled out, and it was just them two going back and forth. And you saw... Um, Steph had a had a little better edge when it came to the end. I mean, he had thirty two, five and five basically, just just a really, really solid game. Yeah, he was huge in game four. He was also huge in game three. We can kind of switch back. Uh yeah. hard to think about that game now after that incredible game four, but um that was a must win for the Warriors. Dropping the first two in Sacramento, they they learned some things in those first two games. They held the Kings to only 114 points in game two. And so I, I really thought that Kerr's defensive adjustments disrupted them. Yeah, I know the Kings were cold. They they weren't hitting anything from three. But I, I think in large part that was due to some of the stuff that that Kerr and his coaching staff were throwing at, in particular De'Aaron Fox. But also, we like, DeMontis has not gotten off. Um, he... he you know, Looney has been a rock, a brick wall against him. Yeah. Um, their role players, the Warriors are making sure that the guys like, since the first game, uh, guys like Monk or um, Keegan Murray, except he got off in game four, but overall yeah. has had a bad series. Herder. Barnes has not hurt them. And and then Herter is, I, I listed him, I think, as an X factor um, in our, in our uh, series preview article. Um, dude is a sharp shooter, but he really has not done much of anything in this series. You know, he gets, gets the ball in the dribble handoff. He can get into the mid range and sort of pull up and, uh, cause some problems, but his three point shooting has been pretty bad and he's not a great defender either. So, um, they've been able to neutralize some of the King's best role players and they've had to rely heavily on Fox. Fox is their best player. We know that head of the snake. And um, like Draymond said in the post-game interview down the stretch, they need to be able to make someone else beat them, someone other than Fox, beat the Warriors. And um, today it worked out that Barnes missed that shot, but, man, it was a close call. I was going to say, they didn't didn't really do a good job of that today because he had had (laughs) 40 points. 38, yeah. He was kind of getting whatever he wanted. Um, Well, it was was interesting. The first half he had like 22 or something. 
um, and was really everywhere dominating. He was the best yeah. player in the game in the first half. Um, the Warriors made an interesting defensive adjustment when they uh, brought Draymond in to guard Fox. Yeah. To So far in this series, it's been Wiggins primarily guarding Fox. GP2 yeah. getting a good um, stretch of minutes on him. Then you throw some uh some stuff at him just to keep him off guard with like kuminga or or with uh dante divincenzo uh, but really it's been wiggins and gp2 fox was torching us in the mid-range i mean when he gets into that like 5 to 12 foot range he's like money with the floater with the mid-range pull up or he is able to make a good pass in a pick and roll and find find the right play man he's dangerous in that space um but so he was getting to it in the first half. They they didn't start Draymond like we mentioned, uh, but they brought him in and started him in the second half right yeah. on Fox, and that, that slowed him down in the third quarter. Fox was able to make something uh, work in the fourth quarter, but um, that adjustment threw him off a bit. So I do think we're going to see some of that going forward, uh, having maybe Draymond and Wiggins sharing time with GP2 here and there guarding Fox. We'll see. I, I thought it worked, though. Yeah. I thought it was more um, – I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I thought they did that more for the switchability of that lineup um, in the Sabonis-Fox pick-and-roll just because that way it's Draymond switching onto Sabonis um, rather than, like, Wiggins or Dante or GP2 um, yeah. because that really neutralized Sabonis in the post. Um because if you have a little guy switching onto him, then someone has to help, and you know, then they pass the ball around to get an open shot. So I thought, even if it's just kind of like a gimmick or anything, it's really good in the playoffs to just switch up your defenses to keep them guessing. Because um, it usually takes a few possessions to adjust, whether that be like a box in one or a zone, or like you said, putting Draymond on the point guard or anything. So. I think you're right to the previous point that you made. Steve's had a really good two games at home uh, in game three. You know, starting pool, I feel like opened some stuff up for Steph when he had a monster game. But it yeah, it's not good for Steph the entire game to have to bring the ball up every single possession. And he's also working on defense. Um, and then you're asking him to, like, bail you out and score all the time. It, that's pool's probably biggest um, – plus that he brings to the team is that he can dribble. <laughs> I mean, sometimes not too well, but um, <laughs> he, I mean, he dribbles like he's in the Harlem Globetrotters. That's what he does. There's, but there's, just, <laughs> there's no one else on the roster who can. Oh yeah. Dribble. You're right. Like you would think Dante would be able to, but he, especially the series has, I feel like he's kind of gotten flustered a little bit with um, yeah. clay and clay. I mean, even this game, he had a good game, but man, some of the decisions he makes with the ball is just awful. Sometimes it looks like he can't even dribble. Um, yeah. So it's really just like Steph, Poole, and Draymond that can dribble the basketball on the team. So yeah. Um, well, I, I will important. say, I mean, back to back, just back to game three, real quick on that point. Divincenzo played his best game by far. Had twenty seven minutes, but he was he looked like um, the Divincenzo we had seen throughout the regular season like disruptive on defense grabbing offensive rebounds those those tip outs back to the three-point oh, line yeah. right where yeah. he like crashes the glass he gets up 
he he knows where the ball's going to be and just tips it back out. That's like a signature DiVincenzo move, and he had eight assists too. I mean, he was all over the place. Um, yeah. He, yeah, game four, he didn't look as good, but um, you're right. that It's been surprising to me. I thought he was a playoff kind of guy, uh, but maybe it's just this matchup. That's what I was we'll going to say. Um, the playoffs are just kind of, I mean, we've seen it. The playoffs are just kind of matchups for some players. Uh, I've seen people talk about it. I mean, like this series has kind of been a moody series a little bit where, you know, he's athletic. He can defend a little bit and rebound um, where that's more necessary, but maybe versus another team that wouldn't be there. Um, I think this is a pretty bad matchup for Kaminga just because how kind of similar the Kings offense is to the Warriors where there's a lot of, there's not a lot of ISO ball. There's not a lot of, um, it's a pretty sophisticated offense with Sabonis running a lot of like dribble handoffs, a lot of ball movement. You can see Kaminga getting like lost on that, not really crashing the boards. Definitely not yeah. a Jermichael Green series, uh, not a Kaminga. Um, so yeah, the Warriors have kind of really had to ride Looney heavy, um, definitely Steph Clay, yeah. Wiggins heavy, and then, you know, Poole has been there. Uh, I know he's fighting through an injury right now. Um, he's obviously not been perfect, but like game three, he got to the free throw line eight times. Um, and then tonight he got to the free throw line, you know, five times leading the team at, at both those games. He just, he kind of does stuff that, you know, not a lot of people on the Warriors do. I could, and, I, I thought Poole had a really, really good game three. He, he played really well, like um, passing the ball, running the offense, not turning it over too much. Yeah. Uh, he he just missed threes. He was like one for seven from yeah. deep. But other than that, he was playing great. Um, yeah. And in game four, he played okay. He had a couple of bonehead turnovers and one really bad one down the stretch in the fourth quarter that, um, you know, that was a chance for the Warriors to kind of put the Kings away, put the game out of reach. And yeah. Poole just threw a cross-court pass, straight into the hands of i think malik monk um and it was, that was just a pretty a, crazy athletic play by monk like i thought that it was, was going to get through and then he just kind of snatched it out of air um but in that moment you know you gotta have that like game awareness which steph usually does yeah i was <laughs> um, about to say to, like steph. to hold the ball dribble it out let the let the offense set up get a decent look um, and just kind of run that 24 second clock down and extend the game, I guess, or not the opposite of extend the game, right? Condense the game. Yeah. So yeah, pool is still learning how to close and be that kind of player, uh, that Steph has grown into now he, he'll never be as good as Steph, but, um, just having that kind of composure down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, and, and back to my kind of point, this is a series for him. Um, just because the Kings are such a high-powered and fast offense, I don't think we would be able to totally. keep up with their scoring if we kind of didn't have someone who was – I mean, we, he had a beautiful play tonight where he almost looked like he was going to fall over and turn turn it over, um, but he dropped a dime right to Kavon. He just – the Kings' defense is so penetrable, and their, their rim uh, protection is not there. And it was frustrating to watch in these, in this game. It's like anytime Steph drove or, you know, Wiggins
Wiggins drove, it's like you can get a layup, you can get a dunk, you can get past these guys. The bonus is yeah. not a rim protector. Um, but it does take a lot of energy, especially when you have like Davion pressuring the yeah. ball and stuff. So I understand that, and that's definitely something to look forward to the next game. Just one last note before we uh, move on to the preview. We've talked for about 24 minutes and hadn't mentioned Kavon Looney's game three. Just yeah. master class. Four points, 20 rebounds, and nine assists. Um, and uh, and nine in offensive game. rebounds. Incredible, Crazy. incredible yeah. on the glass. Yeah, it was an amazing game. And we, and we touched on that um, the last podcast we did when we were previewing game three. And we were talking about how they were going to have to, like, change their offense a little bit with Draymond out. And I was, I was kind of saying, like, we saw it last year, too. Looney can fill in that passer role really well. Um, and I was really confident with Draymond out that yep. he was going to be able to step in and do that. Obviously, that's probably not a night-to-night basis thing that he can do like Draymond does. But, man, he did an incredible impression of Draymond that game and just his decision-making. Yeah, it was an amazing game. Yeah, he's played over 30 minutes the past two games, so he's – and that's not normal for Kavon. Kavon's typically at, like, maybe 24 minutes or so. Yeah. Um he starts the game, but then they he comes out for long stretches while the Warriors like like to run some small lineups, get their backup bigs going, play Draymond at the five, uh, stuff like that. So that was huge in game three with Draymond out totally, and he was the same guy really in game four. Um, yeah. A little less active on the glass. He seemed sort of tired to me, especially in the first half. But the in the first half, the Warriors of game four, this is the first half of game four, the Warriors were down by four points. And just looking at the team stats, everything was essentially even. Yeah. Uh, fouls, turnovers, you know, three-point percentage, three-point attempts, field goal percentage, everything was essentially even except offensive rebounds. The Kings had seven offensive rebounds in the first half. The Warriors had one. Um, in game three, when the Warriors won by almost 20, they dominated on the offensive glass. And that was really a point that... Kerr and the entire team was hammering home after game one when they got beat up on the glass. They said, look, this is a physical series, more so than we expected. And the Kings have brought that energy, brought that physicality. So, you know, to win the series, you're going to have to match that. Um, they did in game three. Uh, they did a bit in game four in the second half. But the first half, the Kings won on in the physicality battle. Um, and, you know, to your point, Looney is the backbone of that with Draymond you know, right next to him, uh, two absolute warriors, no pun intended. Um, and, um, yeah, man, that was the best game of Looney's career. You think? Yeah. Game three could have been, I mean, he had some crazy performances last year too, especially when Draymond was going through his little, like, I don't even know what that was in the finals where he was kind of in his head and just playing awful. Looney really held it down and he's just been so solid for, two straight years now. I mean, hasn't missed a game in two years. Like you even said today, he didn't do the best job on the glass. I mean, he had 14 rebounds, six assists and eight points today. Just like, yeah. Beast. And, um, it, it really frees up Draymond too, which is nice. Draymond had it. Like I, I was thinking, I was like, Draymond missed a lot of layups today. He didn't really have the, the best game. I mean, he had 10 rebounds, seven assists, the block of steel, only one turnover. Um, I, I actually block. thought, yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, no, yeah. I mean, he smoked a lot of layups and stuff, but I, I thought he had a really good game today as well. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, those layups are going to fall, but everything else was... <laughs> Maybe at are a they? slightly higher rate, I would hope. Yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, regardless, I mean, Draymond's defense was... Like, this was a classic Draymond defensive performance. Yeah. Coming back after being suspended... Like the team had his back, but he did sort of, I, f I feel like had to have to re-earn that trust. Like, Hey, I'm here and I'm going to bring it with the minutes that I'm on the floor. I'm going to bring that energy. He got a technical for chirping it up with De'Aaron Fox. I know like right, what, one right away to him. I was a little nervous about that one. It's like, Oh my God. <laughs> I was nervous. He was going to get ejected for two techs because yeah, like, man, same. you couldn't, you couldn't wait like till the second half for that, for that conversation. Um. <laughs> does does that yeah. playoff count um like you know how there's the flagrant point system is there like a technical point system in the the playoffs there is but i don't know it very well actually so yeah we'll, we'll look that up and talk about it maybe on the next one or if it becomes relevant in in the, if the warriors move on oh my gosh yeah lakers uh warriors one would probably uh entice some technicals but yeah that's let's think it a little ahead i mean like we i mean we said it for game three and definitely we're saying it for game four most important each of them was the most important game of the season game five i mean i don't think it's the most important game of the season thus far we just had those two but if the warriors win game five they're in an incredible position for the series i think yeah i think game five to... is more important for the kings than the warriors yeah, because, like, if you're saying that the Kings win game five, you know, pretty certain that the Warriors would, on a must win on their home floor, I'm pretty confident that they would be able to pull that out. Whereas if the Warriors go into Sacramento and steal game five, they're going back home for game six, where they've just been dominant all season at home. Um, it would really yeah, put it the pressure on the Kings. Yeah, the Kings like handle their if they handle their business at home in game 5, they're feeling good. They know they just need one of two. Yeah. Game 7 will be in Sacramento. They could, you know, they're going to try to steal game 6 in in Golden State in San Francisco, but um that yeah, I I think it's more important from a Kings perspective for them to win game 5 than it is for the Warriors cuz I do trust the Warriors in a game 7 on the road. Um, oh, man. But yeah, I mean, yeah, this is a different team than in the past, I know. But they've they've proven that the core you, is still intact. Do you trust intact. the Warriors in the Game 7, or do you trust Steph Curry in Game 7? Huh. I trust Steph, and I trust Clay, and I trust Draymond. That's, like, those yeah. guys are still out there. And they've, they haven't, I, I saw somewhere today that the Warriors haven't been in Game 7 since that fateful... 2016 final series they have not had a true? game seven since then yeah um yeah i like, guess you know. in 20 no that's not true because um they had a game seven versus uh the rockets where they missed 27 threes in a row was oh was that a game seven okay yeah i think so i think that was a game Remember six no, because we were down 3-2 to the Rockets. Okay. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, it, it has been a well, while, like you said. And uh, rare, yeah, like they, last, it, last year there was no Game 7. 
uh, yeah, they they didn't have a game seven. They didn't have a game seven against the Kawhi Raptors, and no. um, so, and I don't think they had one throughout that entire playoff. So it's been a while. Um, but regardless, uh, I still trust the Warriors in a game seven, and in particular that core. Um, they they're built for this. So, so what do you what do you what are your thoughts on game five? Do you I mean, obviously the the series so far has stayed true to kind of you know, like most things are the playoffs doesn't a uh, series doesn't start until someone wins on uh, like their opponent's home floor <laughs> series has stayed true so far. What do you think about game five? Well, um, I think the warriors have finally discovered that, like you mentioned, they can get to the rim and that opens up the rest of their offense. They get better three-point looks when they're getting into the paint, touch the paint, kick it out, swing it around, find the open man, um, force the Kings to collapse their defense uh, and play help defense, help side defense, open it up. Um, They've done that. They they really, they did that the best, I think, today, actually. Um, You know, game three, they shot a bunch of threes, but they were just on fire. Uh, at least early on, they sort of ended at just 32% or so, but um, they shot 50. In game one, they shot 53s too, and that was a kind of a criticism I had at the time. Like, hey, man, they don't have a real rim protector in there. Sabonis is okay at the rim. Alex yeah. Len is okay at the rim, but he doesn't play that many minutes, and they don't play a big rim protecting four. Like, Barnes is not the type of free safety oh, that, no. like, or, or same with Keegan Murray, like those guys don't help off their man at, at the rim and, and disrupt things. Um, so I think the Warriors know that Poole has been really good about pushing into the into the paint. Curry has been doing it this last game. He did it great, like you mentioned. Um, so I think they found something there offensively. I was a little surprised that the Kings were still able to put up 125 tonight when I thought the Warriors had started to really find something defensively against them, but maybe it just speaks to how good this Kings offense is. You can't hold them back forever. Um, yeah, I mean, they shot they shot 40% from three, um, almost 50. Both teams, like obviously it's a high-scoring game, both teams were pretty efficient today. Um, yeah. I thought this game came down to kind of just tough shot making. I mean, Fox was just making tough shot after tough shot. Keegan Murray was driving pretty well. He made five threes. He was he had a few step back threes. I mean, he played really well. Um, the whole Warriors starting five shot over fifty percent today. Even Clay and Poole, which is which is pretty crazy. So not a lot of defense played today. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with the Warriors only shooting thirty four threes. That goes back to your point. Like I think yeah. they realize that they can drive. I would be weary if the Warriors shoot fifty plus threes in Game Five. I feel like that's kind of a bad sign. Um, I agree. Yeah. So yeah, man, I really don't have a feel on Game Five. Like like we said on the podcast before um, these two games, I I think I predicted that the Warriors were going to blow out the Kings in Game Three and they were going to win Game Four and go be going back two two. Um, that's just yeah. what I felt. And that's, that's kind of what this core has proven to us. This year has just been so weird with the road and everything. I mean, every time we feel like the 
Warriors are putting it together. Like they put a very good stretch together um, at the end of the season, and then they went into Sacramento and lost the, the first two games where the Kings didn't really even necessarily play too well. So um, I want to say that I'm confident for game five, but, you know, I could also see Kings getting another narrow win and then going back to, to chase for a must win. So um, I don't know, man, what, what's the prediction? I'm going to make you uh, give you a, give a prediction. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking like, do I trust the Warriors to win a game in Sacramento in game five more or it potentially game seven? Um, I think I trust them to win more in game seven than game five in Sacramento. Um, I, I do think they're still, they still should be favored actually, even though, you know, they have all these road problems and, um, the, the role players have still been an issue. You know, they showed up in game three and, but game four, you know, wasn't a great role player game. Really? Steph played 43 minutes, man. That's, that's the most I've seen in a really long time. Um, yeah, he did. So, especially in round one. Um, so, I, I mean, if they can get something from DiVincenzo in Sacramento, oh, man. Um, then I think the Warriors can win game five. But if, they, if their bench is completely a minus, I don't know, man. Sacramento's been had an incredible crowd. They've been really good. Um, and they're just kind of a dangerous team. So the Warriors would- need to, to – execute well i will say they haven't turned the ball over all that much in the past two games which is great uh they've fixed that problem they've fixed their fouling problem in the past two games at home now prove you can do it on the road prove that you like learned your lesson and that you've made the adjustments and and learned something i i do think they they have a pretty good chance to win like it's like a 51 49 for me that they win game five 51 49 i like those odds um, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm just looking at the box score today and it was such a difference from game three to game four. Like we said, game three, it was really an all hands on deck type of effort. Like even Chenzo played big, Moody played big. I mean, even Jermichael Green and like Kaminga had good minutes. Lamb like had a block, did some stuff. Um, but this game, I mean, every single bench person was like a pretty big, negative in the game except for Draymond um and and that's been the theme I know like even going to last year it's kind of the core six it's you know the starters and pool that's kind of who they ride with and then you know last year Otto would have a big game or you know Gary would come in and play big game um Gary yeah I guess that's one thing yeah we should talk about Gary yeah and I know he was really sick. I mean, he didn't even show up to the game in game three, so he could be still getting over that. There's two days off between um, games, which should be beneficial to Poole and um, Gary just to get a little bit better. But, yeah, um, to win on the road, like you said, if not, if someone doesn't show up, they're going to just have to ride with those core six playing heavy minutes and you know doing what they do. Yeah, they're going to need – they're going to need pool to keep putting pressure on the rim and not turn the ball over and have a good pool game. And they're going to need something from at least one bench player like Gary or DiVincenzo or maybe Moody, you know, maybe this is a Kaminga game. Someone needs to show up please on the road. Uh, Otherwise they're going to have a tough time. I mean, this is a good Kings team. hundred percent. 
yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and you know, hoping for a game five. Like I said, I, I the pressure is kind of on the Kings just because I think if the Warriors win game five, like we said, uh, we kind of assume they'll win the series. Um, but obviously, the Warriors will be in a tough position if the Kings win Game Five. I mean, we're we're saying we're confident, but they really would have to win two in a row, um, which they just did. But they were both on the home floor, so you know. Obviously, I want to see the Warriors go out, all out, and try to win this Game Five, and you know, hopefully, be in a position to put the Kings away in six and then move on. But yeah, definitely in a in a better mood and and view than we were when we were last on the podcast looking down at 2-0 and just thinking man if the Kings steal one of these they're going to be uh in real trouble and they were a wide open three away today from uh a real big press on the panic button but all things considered you know looking solid and uh yeah definitely excited for the for this next game yep yep all things considered they're in a good spot and um, so I think we can wrap it here. Uh, we'll, we'll potentially be back on the pod after game five or, or we'll have an article out. We'll have some piece of content after game five, um, and, and we'll keep it moving. Uh, but you know, incredible last two games in San Francisco, really looking forward to the games Wednesday night, right? Yes. Yeah. Wednesday yeah. night. So, um, you know, big minutes coming up and, uh, all right, we'll talk to you in the next one.